Welcome, everyone, to episode 201 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Shelton, and on this week's episode, we're ready to turn off the lights and play Gen Z Werewolf with a review of A24's late summer slasher comedy, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Before we get to that, with me, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Scott. You know, uh, we are actually recording this on Friday or earlier than we normally would um, because of scheduling reasons. But that means that I basically just walked in the door after seeing the movie and uh, now we're doing the podcast, which is not um, usually how I roll. So uh, we'll see how the takes come out for me uh, tonight. But no, fresh out the oven. These takes are going to be. Yeah, no, still still thinking, thinking over the movie a little bit. I do like to. To let them stew sometimes, although this is not necessarily a movie like Nope, for example, where you have to you know yeah. sit and let it stew for a while. But um, but yeah, no, uh, it, I'm I'm doing well. Um, you know, living life here in Charlotte. Not yeah. Have you have support. you adapted to life? You found your your soccer bar. You found your movie yeah. theaters. What what more is there left to to explore in Charlotte? Yeah, I don't think I'll be going to the Everton uh, bar tomorrow because we have the early early kickoff at seven thirty. I'm not even. Do people sure go? They... Do people normally go? I don't think I don't know if they open for it. Now they do open for the ten o'clock games. I'm pretty certain, but um, I'd hope so. Yeah, because that's going to be most of the games. But yeah. uh, I don't think they were. They're going to open at seven thirty tomorrow. But I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, it was fun. I I, I do plan to go back. The problem, uh, which I haven't got used to in Charlotte, is that. If you're going uptown, which is where the bar is, parking is twenty dollars is basically the cheapest you can do to park. So, um, welcome to the big city. I that's guess. not ideal. I might have to scope out like how the the light rail because we do have a light rail here. Like, see how that runs. I don't think anyone actually takes it, but hey, maybe that means you know I'll have a nice luxurious ride. Look at you becoming a city boy with your public transportation. Before you we'll know see. it, you'll be we'll in New see. York. Yeah. With the reliable MTA, the Metro Transit Authority, at your service. Look, you know I would love to be there, Scott. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mentioned it enough times. Maybe it'll just happen one day. You, maybe yeah, you'll, we'll just get on one of these things. I'll ask how you're doing. You'll be like, I'm moving to New York. Scott, I'm like, next door. I'm right on. Next <laughs> yeah, door right now. I'm yeah. knocking on your door right now. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that last note, that last creepy note is appropriate for today's topic of conversation because, as already mentioned, it is the Helena Ryan-directed black comedy, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. The film stars Amanda Stenberg and Maria Bakalova in the lead roles, respectively, of Sophie, a generationally wealthy black 20-something recently back from rehab, and B, a working-class Eastern European woman who recently has gotten together with Sophie. Sophie and B are on the road to the mansion of Sophie's childhood friend David, played by Pete Davidson, for what can only be described as a hurricane party. Uh, Upon arrival, David, his girlfriend Emma, played by Chase Swee, wanders, Alice, played by Rachel Sinnott, Alice's older boyfriend, Greg, played by Lee Pace, and Jordan, played by Mahala Harold, are taken aback by Sophie's arrival, but are more concerned with the missing Max, another core friend group member who stormed off after a fight with David before Sophie and B had arrived. After a debaucherous afternoon and evening of drinking, dancing, and drugs, the squad settles in for a round of group favorite titular Bodies, 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 a homebrewed version of Werewolf where the lights go out People receive their roles, and we see which bodies hit the floor. The game goes poorly and ends after an argument between David, Emma, and Greg, ultimately seeing the man-child David storm off shortly before the hurricane knocks the power out on the house. The next time the group sees David, he's dead on the patio with his throat slit. 
And what ensues from there is a distrustful and openly hostile slew of accusations and events that leave the audience wondering what body is going to hit the floor next. Scott, were you enthralled by this one crazy night horror comedy and on the edge of your seat for each twist and turn? Or did the film's skewering Gen Z satire feel slightly overwrought, leaving you wishing the power would come back on? You know, it's interesting, Scott. We started off the year um, horror-wise, and actually, I think just movie-wise, by watching Scream, uh, the new Scream movie, Scream 5. Um, and it had a lot of satirical commentary on it about like elevated horror, right? And what we talk about um, in the film circles, at least, is elevated horror. And A24, obviously, is, you know, maybe at the forefront of this with like, you know, the works of people like Ari Aster and Robert Eggers um, as movies that are, you know, horror films, but the horror is like almost a real life sort of trauma. Um, and these are often like heavy movies to watch. They're not necessarily, um, you know, you they're not pop on material, yeah. pop on material. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. I think that a 24 this year has come out with two movies now between this and X, which I think, well, I don't think they're devoid of substance. Um, especially in the case of this movie, I think, um, I think, they are much more focused on being a fun experience for a general audience. They're not heavy treatises again, like something like Midsommar is. They're um, they're comedies ultimately, dark ones, but comedies. Some, somewhat, yeah. I, I think uh, I mean they both have yeah, more so. This movie again, I think is you could call a comedy. X has some amusing moments, um, but I I am I guess what I'm saying is I'm impressed by. A24's adaptability and, um, yeah. you know, the way that they encourage, obviously, their filmmakers or, you know, they they will attract filmmakers making all different sorts of movie. But I think what they have in common, what all these movies have in common is they're well-made movies. They're well-executed movies. And I mean, I think elevator horror is a stupid term in general. Um but well, yeah, and I'm not sure how elevated this horror is, to be honest, but we'll keep going. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I don't think yeah. that this movie and and X would be considered elevated horror. I think they've pivoted from that. Um, it's tongue in cheek. Horror. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they but they are all elevated in the sense that they are all very well executed, um, you know, as opposed to something like I watched the black phone, for example, last month, which I thought was fine. And, you know, it, it's it's a solid movie. But it's just kind of a generic crowd pleaser, crowd pleasing horror movie going through the motions. I don't feel like there was a whole lot of craft and effort and care, you know, necessarily put into it. Um, you wound this me. Movie... That's my company you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's I know it's on Peacock now. Give it a give it a shot. It's a solid movie, but um, it's not on the level of something like this or X um, when we're talking about horror movies this year. Sure. And yeah, you know this movie ends scott with this charlie xcx song uh, which we knew um the song's been out for a couple weeks but this movie has the is is a charlie xcx song in film form um <laughs> it is it's high energy it is chaotic it uh it's very sort of zeitgeisty sure uh, but at the end of the day it is it you know to use the word you use it's fun um and yeah, there's. I think there, there. It does have some things on its mind about social media and you know the way we present ourselves and 
language that we use on social media about trauma and mental health and these sort of things. And um, also sort of in the context of these characters mostly being upper class and the way that they use those terms when they actually have to face a situation that is genuinely traumatic and like um, causing, you know, could cause PTSD and mental health concerns and the, the, the type of stuff that comes up in the dialogue of the movie. Um, and then, and, and like I was saying that, that you see every day people throwing around these sorts of terms on social media. I think the movie does have some satirical ideas about that, but ultimately, like I was saying, like with X as well. I think this movie just foregrounds being a fun horror, mo horror movie um, that, for the most part, I think a general mainstream audience can enjoy uh, in, in a way that, you know, again, something like Her Midsommar still kept, I think, general audiences at a distance. Um, I think that, you know, the movie is very tightly directed you know, we just talked about a movie with Vengeance that was a first-time filmmaker, B.J. Novak, and how it just felt really overstuffed and like it was trying to do way too much and conquer everything in the first film. I think this is a really, like, solid first-time filmmaker movie, right? It is not um, – it's not over overextending itself, um, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. And, it you know, it knows what it wants to do. It has a very simple premise – single setting right it's a tightly directed well-made movie it's a you know it's only like 94 minutes long i think it's very efficient in setting up all the characters it's not a movie that is you know supposed to have like super three-dimensional characters or anything like you know the first 10 minutes or whatever it gives you like here's the little plot points basically that you need to know about these characters and you're in that's yeah. basically all you need for the execution of the movie um and i think it really maximizes the use of every sort of gaze and, you know, line and every, shot, you know, it maximizes everything every second of its running time to sort of build the suspense and the tension and keep you guessing about who's the killer here. You know, what, what is everyone's intention? What is everyone hiding? Because it seems like at various times in the movie, it seems like everyone is hiding something. Each person is hiding something. Um, I think the cast is really, really good. Um, you know, you have Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, a sort of the main couple. And I think they're both turning in solid performances. Obviously, I think sort of the, the scene stealers here would be Pete Davidson and uh, and Rachel Sennett. Um, and I think they perform the scene stealing role very effectively and admirably. Um, and I think everyone was. Yeah, I think everyone was very well cast. So it's just, you know, it didn't rock my world or anything you know again like something like Midsommar did um it, it was not a movie that I walk out like shaken and dazed and like wow I thought it was absolutely incredible what I just watched it's also not it's a not movie that that you would compare this to typically speaking other it's than not the fact trying that to be that. yeah that's yeah and that's again that's the only thing I'm really coming back to there is that they're doing something completely different than I think has become their moniker so much so that they even you know in Scream there was a whole sort of meta horror movie about elevated horror movies it had become such a thing and now it seems like 824 is going in slightly different direction with uh, some of its horror films which i very much appreciate so i mean x is still one of my top five or ten films of the year um, and i really enjoyed this as well it's maybe a little bit too self-aware at times but i still ultimately had a, a really fun time with it 
Um, and like I said, I think it's a very accessible movie that if you, even if you're generally not like an A24, you know, you'll go see anything A24, you'll go see any A24 horror. I think you'll, you'll have a good time watching this because it's not trying to be something super heavy. I mean, it feels very much in the canon of something like Zola from last year. I know that's not absolutely a, not yeah, a horror absolutely. movie, but it's that 100%. vibe of comedy. I think that it's certainly it's certainly aiming at. It is funny you mentioned the the elevated horror element. I mean, I wasn't really thinking too much about elevated horror throughout this movie. Like, I mean, you've said it; it's like not really trying to be that. Um, but it is funny that I mean, A twenty four is definitely the most associated with something like that to the point where I feel like if you asked people like what studio made get out. I think probably a lot of people would say mm -hmm. a24 even though it wasn't. Well, tr that's true, but also at the same time a24 is probably like one of the only studios that people can even name. I mean, I, you know, I get I guess or that people recognize as like having a making a particular type of film. Right? I assume like, you mean sure, besides it, the obvious like people yeah, Marvel but people and, know like Universal, MGM, like all that stuff obviously. I mean Blumhouse. Like, I mean Blumhouse would be the with me and my counter to that. Sure, but yeah. but I mean you can't look you can't watch a movie and say oh this seems like a universal movie, right? Like it's, you know, they're studio movies. But with something like A24, you can watch a movie like you're saying, you can watch a get out and say this seems like an A24 movie. So it, but it's one of the only yeah, along with Blumhouse maybe that like you can do that for. Yeah, because I mean, I think I think Blumhouse helped Jordan Peele make the make Get Out. I know that they're not yeah. working together anymore because it's just and us, universal. I believe. Yeah, I, I I know that they didn't work on Nope. I think maybe yeah. for obvious reasons because it's not exactly the same kind of movie. But yeah, it, it is that sort of you know a twenty four. If you talk about an a twenty four horror movie, you're not typically thinking about something like this because this feels much closer to some of the a twenty four comedies. Yeah, you know, I mentioned Zola, but I think it's also again it's sort of in the same lexicon of like young like i put like squiggly marks around woke because i think it's making fun of being woke some of the time as well but like that that is like their comedy vibe and it's, it's i'd almost come at this movie as like this is a this is an a24 comedy that's like foregrounded with with some with like a horror premise or whatever yeah is ultimately what it feels like to me and and that's definitely how i enjoy like how i came to enjoying it i think i you know i'm I'm as on board as the next person for like a, a fun romp of a slasher film. But, uh, you know, I think the things like you were saying that really made it will make it memorable or, or make it stick with me more so than some others um, that are like closer to its subgenre is definitely the performances. I think that, you know, even more so than 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 X earlier this year, like I found, like you're saying, Pete Davidson, Rachel Sennett, even Maria Bakalova. Um, Amanda Stenberg. I, I thought the full, like the whole cast was pretty good. Uh, Mahala Harold, um, I really liked. I remember seeing her in Industry, which was like basically the first thing she did outside of like Broadway, which is the first season of that a couple of years ago. She has, I think, season two actually just started on HBO again recently, but she's the lead in that show. Um, I don't love that show, but I thought she was good in it. And it's it's cool to see her sort of cross over into into films now because I think she really fits that mold really well. She's playing sort of a similar although maybe more erratic character in, in this film than than what she plays in industry but overall yeah i love the cast really like the premise lee pace is like stupidly hilarious he's out this, there yeah in this movie I have, I have no idea what that guy's film career is is is, is is like the trajectory of his career is at this point like just a guy just doing whatever i think is basically where he's at in his film career <laughs> 
you know, you mentioned Zola. It it honestly feels like he's occupying like the Nicholas Braun from Zola role here. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, Nicholas Braun's like like a huge in that movie. Agent of Chaos, like from that, you know, is kind of from the outside a little bit. Yeah, although is Nicholas Braun an agent of chaos in that movie? I don't know. Maybe he is. It's been a long time since I've seen. From a comedic perspective, he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just doing his. It's so weird to compare anything to Nicholas Braun because he's just doing cousin Greg um in the movie well but... this guy's name is greg lee pace's <laughs> character name is greg <laughs> it's true but not because he's not a cousin like he's maybe like your uncle or something like that in this movie which he's is... somebody's cousin i'm sure you don't know his, his parents could have been only children um fair enough <laughs> anyway yeah i love the cast the, the premise i yeah i think for me it was in a really great place i think like most of the way through the film and i think that i think that it just went like a little bit too hard on the satire um in the last bit there's one like, scene in particular yeah, yeah 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 they just like way they just like turned it up to 11 when they probably shouldn't mm-hmm. have it wasn't necessary i'm not sure it added too much but besides that i had a really great time thought like the eventual twist uh made perfect sense for what the film was was trying to do with its themes um and effectively sort of had me hooked wondering what was going on i, th- I think it's pretty easy to like figure out the twist at some point in the film but even at, but I think the, the fun part about this movie, and I won't spoil it yet, but like the fun part of this movie is that even after you, even if you, after, even if you figure out the, the twist, like you're really curious about like one part of the movie because you don't know the truth about like one part of the film until the very end. And it, that was just so funny <laughs> to watch. Yeah, me. it was great. It was a great, <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Um, when you get that, when you get that reveal, because it's like, even if you figure out the twist, you're, like, you're probably not going to figure out what happened um, mm. in, a, in a specific portion. So overall, loved it. Scott, I sort of just gave my high-level thoughts on the cast as well. I'd like to focus in on Maria Bakalova and Amanda Stenberg, because to the extent that this is an ensemble movie, I, like these are also the two leads of the film. You get their perspectives at the start, um, you know, and, and as the story goes on, it, it really sort of takes their either B's or Sophie's POV through most of the film. And I thought that was an interesting choice, especially because it seems like if you really were to narrow it down to one character, that B is, is like the, is sort of like the preferred protagonist. And I think that's saying something specific thematically as this sort of only working class, you know, background seems like, you know, child of immigrants, maybe, yeah, from maybe, another an, country. Yeah. Yeah, maybe an immigrant herself. Um, I can't, I, she might've said something that, to that extent. I can't remember exactly what the details were there on her backstory, but yeah, child of immigrant or an immigrant herself, um, in a very different social world than these other people, Scott. And I'm, and I'm curious if you make anything of that, what you thought of Maria Bakalova's performance. I feel like we've been like really waiting for her next film. I mean, I know she's been in like maybe one thing here and there since, um, Borat's subsequent movie film, but I feel like she she kind of nailed it here and she kind of showed that, y- yes, this is still comedy, but this is a very different flavor of comedy from what she did in that movie. Yeah, well, she's not even really doing any comedy either. Her character is not where the movie is really mining a lot of comedy. That's true. Um, it is much more. That, it is like the and that's most what serious I was role. Say. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is completely different from her Oscar nominated role um, for Borat, uh, which I think shows obviously range as an actor. Um she's keeping a lot close to the the vest here with this character. Um, and, and like, like you said, I think the movie, you know, it's very smartly sort of weaponizes some of the mystery around this character um, to make a thematic point. Yeah. Maybe about 
well, why would this be the the character that we question? Because yes, she's she's new to the friend group. She's but the outsider the, of the friend group, yeah. From the audience's perspective, all these people are new to us, right? Yeah. So why is it that we're gravitating towards this one person? Um, but I think she also does a good job of, you know, it has its cake and eat, eats, eats it too a little bit. I think there are parts of the movie where, sure, like us particularly, I think we can spoil at this point, but sure, okay. when she kills Lee Pace, I think there's, a, you know, a lot of question marks about, well, she just snapped, you know, is this... Is this going to be the, you know, first domino in the chain for us realizing that, you know, her backstory is what She's actually, she's actually a Russian assassin. And, a yeah. sleeper agent. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, I loved the line too, when they were, they asked her if she's from Moscow and she's like, no. And uh, <laughs> Emma, which is Chase Suey Wonder's character is like, Dr. Zhivago is my favorite film. <laughs> so yeah, random. I um, like, wow. All right, then. Right but on, yeah, I, you know, I don't think they ever actually say what her backstory is, which again is is smart, I think, because it's yeah. just wanting you to fill in the blanks. Basically, that's part of what it's trying to to say. Um, so I think she, yeah, I think she's really good. I think she keeps you guessing for a long time. Um, yeah, and that the movie, again, the script and everything, does a smart. There's a there's an extra layer to the the guessing because we're one, you know it's critiquing why we are guessing it's her yeah and and i guess on a similar note what there i feel like there's also a level of guessing involved with amanda stenberg's performance because you know maybe there's less being held back in this character although there are certainly still things that are and it's a, it's a specific plot point you know in the second half of the film about something she may or may not be holding back from b specifically as it relates to you know whether or not i guess since we're talking spoilers whether or not she is cheating i guess i mean yeah with mm-hmm. on b with jordan um mahala harold's character and i'm curious like do you, do you think that amanda stenberg sort of succeeded in the same way obviously it's a different it's a different performance because it's much more manic i think there's a lot more going on there she's someone who's it seems it, specifically around drugs alcohol etc is having some pretty um uh, you know, some pretty big mood swings as, you know, as it relates to, you know, substance use. And I'm curious if that performance was as convincing as Maria Bakalova's that you just talked about. Yeah, I think it is. I think, um, I think the movie has like a surprising amount of empathy for her, um, which I appreciated and her situation, um, like you said, of getting sober, but then now having to go hang out with all these people who, you know, in the in the scene that we're talking about earlier, where they're throwing out a lot of buzzwords and stuff, she she says, "Well, you guys triggered me," and that's one of the few. That's one of the you know actual evoking that language that we see every day. That actually feels like yes, that that is probably true, right? That these people do trigger her, and that was you know because so much of her slide to you know to the point where she actually needed rehab was when she was surrounded by these people once was when she was you know hanging out with them and everything to the point where they're the ones who actually enable you know, her we find yeah. out well they enable her but then they're the ones who eventually like took set in motion yeah. the series of yeah. events to which she goes to to rehab but um but yeah so I, I thought that the movie did a good job of and and her performance did a good job of like amidst all of this that there's a very real 
trauma, very real issue going on. And, you know, she relapses basically in the midst of all this, Mm -hmm. but it almost feels like an afterthought because everything that's going else is going on is so chaotic and everyone is acting like, you know, they have the biggest problem. And, um, (laughs) and, you know, again, all this sort of coded language is getting thrown around. Um, and I think that's, you know, again, that that's well done. Um, but then really at the end of the movie, I think, you know, they, they hammer it home when she, you know, sort of says to B that, hey, you know, I, I did a line, basically. She does a line of coke that she finds in the house. Um, and, and so I, I thought it was, a, it was good because, yes, okay, it's, it's revealed she probably cheated on um, B. Uh, that, we don't actually v- find very that. Heavily sure, with very heavily implied with the underwear in the car. With the yeah. underwear in the car, it's pretty clearly implied. But it's, you know, these are complicated characters. And I, I like that this is this was a movie where it could have very easily come off as like very cynical and like, um, you know, it's really not offering any solutions, just kind of um, only problems saying this is a bad thing, the way that people talk nowadays and oh, you kids. Um, but I, I don't think particularly with this character, I think, yes, she's complicated. Yes, there are bad sides to her personality but she's also been through a lot a lot of very real stuff um and well i'm curious on that point having been through a lot of real stuff you mentioned at the very beginning i just want to slightly challenge something is that she was sort of forced to hang out with these people she chose to go and hang out with these people no one forced her they didn't even expect her well i think i think you said now that she's forced to hang out with them in the situation it may have just been like a turn of phrase but okay i don't even it, remember saying that but yeah no obviously she it was, chooses to she shows up that she wasn't even invited yeah yeah that was in biggest like she was she, it was in the group chat she was invited yeah, but then she never said yeah, anything and it, it definitely ambiguous. wasn't expected yeah. of her to come and i'm curious if, if you think the movie has anything to say about about that it is very empathetic towards her plight maybe in this film but is it also saying something about putting yourself in those types of situations if this is going to end up being the the sort of end result. I don't know that it does say that, but it's something that I was thinking about. Sure, because you know you're surrounded by all of the excesses, right? Yeah. Um, immediately upon getting there, she's you know they're asking her to to, to have a drink, um, mm-hmm. and you know there's obviously a lot of commentary tension. about yeah, well, yeah, but a lot of yeah tension in general, but commentary about like you know the way that I guess people of this generation use like pills and drugs and stuff to just like mask the real situation. Like, you know, they, at one point they, after Pete Davidson has been killed, they find um, Emma. And the first thing basically that they do is Rachel Sennett offers her a Xanax and, you know, then later in the movie, right. Generosity really. (laughs) Sophie, uh, Manlo Stenberg's character goes and finds some secret thing that she stashed. I got, was it supposed to be like ecstasy or something? That was kind of what I interpreted that. Interpreted it. In that or some uh, some kind of prescription drug. I don't know. It's something. Yeah. It was it was David. It's something that she knew where like David Stash was basically. Yeah. Is the way I interpreted it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Offers it to you know Emma as a peace offering of sorts. Yeah. And then Emma and it ends ends up leading to her death because she falls down the stairs while she's you know out of her mind on whatever the substance is. Um. So, so yes, I think, I think you can draw that interpretation. 
But ultimately, like I said, I think I would come down more on the side of that the movie has more empathy for her. Of, I agree. Yeah, these are her closest. Fr- like these are her closest friends. Like it's not fair necessarily to expect that she's just going to be able, you know, be able to put them aside forever because mm-hmm. of because now she's clean and and all of that. Um, and she shouldn't have to. I think is you yeah. know part of My, the, I, the point. Agreed. My only response to that would be, and I don't, I don't think the movie's saying anything about that, but I think there was an opportunity to say, you know, it, it, I don't, I don't think it's. To, in my mind, it's not like you either have to give up your friends or you have to go do drugs and party with them. It feels like there's somewhere in the middle where you can meet, where you can hang out with your friends and not do drugs and not party. Like, and it feels like but not these friends, it seems like. Well, yeah, not a hurricane party with these friends for sure. I, but I, yeah, I'm curious if there is maybe, if there's some, some room to be both empathetic, but also asking a question of sort of like, like self, uh, self enablement yeah. in a way. I, I don't think I agree with you. I'm I'm in the same corner as you on. I don't think the the film has much to say about that and is mostly mostly empathetic towards towards her as at least as it relates to drug use, her rehab, etc. I think it might be less sympathetic around the cheating element, but that's um, that's neither really here nor there at the at the end of the day for this conversation. I do think that we have to talk about a different character who's. I don't want to say window dressing, but certainly a source of a lot of comedy and um, some of the satire. I think I'd say to say that's Alice Rachel Sennett's character. Um, you know, probably most known to date for her role in her lead role in Shiva Baby. Scott, I think it's it's probably lame, but I'm going to make the joke anyway because I made it in my letterbox views that she certainly needs a Shiva after this one. Um, yeah. But before she kicks the bucket, um, what did you think of her? Great. Uh, I mean, probably this, you know, standout performance of the movie, which, you know, she has the juiciest character. And this is like very much a right down the middle role for her. She's like playing the you, same the same character as Shiva Baby, pretty much. Well, yeah. Yes Slightly no. less mature, maybe. But Slightly less if, mature, you, maybe. if you follow her on social media, yeah, if you listen yeah. to her giving interviews, um, you know, this is the perfect role for her, basically. Um as you know, this very vapid podcaster who obviously thinks a lot of herself and yeah. um, is like, you know, you you get a lot of like dumb white girl energy basically, um, and that's where a lot of <laughs> yeah, her, her comedy privilege. comes from. Yeah, a lot of privilege. when I was walking out of the theater, actually, I heard somebody else was saying like, "Oh, like I hated her, but I was laughing at her, and then I hated her again." I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly yeah." So it. like every like, white girl, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let's not get I'm kidding it was a joke it was a joke like the movie um, it was a joke hashtag not all white girls yeah um but yeah that's i think that's a actually a good way that was one of the smarter things that the people in my feet i heard the people in my theater saying uh tonight <laughs> uh just, just their observation <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean that's that's kind of the character and i i thought she was good again we can throw around the phrase agent of chaos, I think, which she is because she's always like, basically she just goes along with whatever. If every time an argument breaks out, it's like, she's just agreeing with everyone. Um, She's, she's like not taking any sides. She's like, yep, it is true. You do do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, maybe some sort of commentary there, but then finally she snaps right, right at the end. And she snaps on Jordan and kind of, says what she really thinks um and 
it turns out she's not so different from the rest of them, I guess, in terms of the feelings that she's been harboring. Yeah. I mean, the, it is the comedic role of the film for me. Pete Davidson's, you know, doing doing his thing earlier in the film, but you certainly get more of Rachel Sennett's character, Alice. And I think she, she brings a lot of that really. She, she has this like, I mean, certain ability as in this role and, you know, as an actress to, I think, be, not not just be able to deliver what you're talking about, like agreeing with everyone, making it believable. But like, I, I felt like more so than anyone else in the film, like she was the person who had like, the, she just had like a very particular way of, of delivering her things. Like the chemistry she had with each individual in the room. It was just that person where like exactly what your sort of like theater mates were saying there uh, that like, Oh, like she's just like a, vi- she's a vibes woman, you know, like she's vibing hard with the group. She's, trying to keep everyone happy but also sort of being selfish and, and focusing on herself um yeah like when amanda stenberg you know shows up at the very beginning and like everybody else is like oh, why are you here you know or whatever she's just like oh hey you know like it's just nothing to her she just goes with whatever feels right in the moment basically. yeah she, she's really able to bring that very specific energy to the movie which is is, is frankly different from every everyone else um, you know, you mentioned Pete Davidson as well, sort of being another scene stealer in the film. I would tend to agree. Uh, it is unfortunate that one of his best moments was in the in, in the, the trailer, like, in yeah. the Red Band trailer, um, talking about how he fucks. Um, just, I mean, it, it's just like this role surely was written with Pete Davidson in mind, and because it's yeah. just absolutely skewering him. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that you can get him to to play this in this sort of like meta Pete Davidson role is is hilarious and frankly since we're talking about you know he does he does die he's the first person to die in the film and if we're going you know full spoilers here the way it's revealed that he his death happens at the end of the movie i mean that is exactly how i picture pete davidson dying in in real life like yeah it's exactly how i expect him to go um absolutely hilarious stuff scott it seems like you felt the same about about big old pete yeah it was it was a great reveal Uh, once like Again, just even the realization, like before you see what happened, like, you know, yeah. as soon as they pick yeah. up the phone and you see the TikTok and you realize, oh, no, I know exactly what happened. Now. Yeah. Um, More like, oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, again, kind of like with Rachel Sennett, it's pretty down the middle role for Pete Davidson. He's playing Pete Davidson, basically. He's playing the same role he's played in every film he's ever been in, which is just Pete Davidson. Yeah. This is the one character I don't know that the movie has any sort of empathy for at all uh, because he's just kind of a D-bag. He's so vapid, yeah. never gets a redemption moment. He just, he dies he just dies and then, of course, yeah, dies in a very stupid way, uh, as we later learn. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fun. You know, you, you definitely you definitely get some laughs. Like, what what is it? Uh, he, she, early on... Sophie says, like, oh, I'll be right back or something, or I'll be back in a minute to uh, to, be. to be. And yeah. you just, like, it's very, like, low in the mix because he's, like, walking off at, to, into the other room, but you just hear him go, like, oh, that's exactly what Tom uh, Hanks said in Castaway. <laughs> yeah. It's like a throwaway joke, but it's pretty funny. Like, he probably ad-libbed that, to be honest. Like, no way yeah, yeah. in the script. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, th- that is most of the cast. The two people we haven't really talked about in more detail are our chase to wonders and Mahala Harold Scott, any thoughts about them? They, they do. They are the two characters who feel like are, are they're in the movie plenty, but they don't have those sort of like quite as big personalities and loud personalities. Like you sort of get from 
the other supporting characters. I still think that they did a good job. Maybe Emma is the one who doesn't quite really imprint herself on the film um, as a character as much as much as Jordan. But curious to hear your thoughts before we shift gears. I do think the movie could have done a little bit more with, I think the performances are fine with uh, the Jordan character, because we do learn pretty late on that she's actually not really from the same upper class background. It seems as the rest of that. Well, it's again, it's kind of ambiguous. They're like, Oh, you taught it that your parents teach at a university or whatever. And then it's like, Oh, well it's a public university, but there's, yeah, there's that was all in the scene. And I was just like, what is happening in this movie? Yeah. Um, there's still, you know, some, some suggestion that maybe she isn't quite the same as the rest of them. Um, yeah. And so I would have liked, you know, maybe some more exploration of the sort of things that drew her to this group of friends, I guess, in the first place, but she's also uh, much more of an, I mean, not to like succumb to Twitter, to Twitter lingo and like lame, lame stereotypes, but like, she's also like the alpha of the group, right? Like ultimately she is the one who's like the most alpha of the people. And she tries to sort of take control in that way towards the end of the film. And I wonder if I'm not sure there's connective tissue there to what you're just talking about, but I'm curious if, if you, if you thought there were dots to connect there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, if you wanted to, to go that far that, you know, she's had to work harder to get where she is or something, but I don't even know that the movie really wants us to think that because no, I just mean like, I, she's the most assertive, but at least in a way that's what seems like maturity, I guess. Although it ends up being quite reckless, obviously in the end. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure I, there's, again, much there, think, there's there, there's something there either, but just occurred to yeah, me. I think it's some, it's, you know, one of the, one of the areas where I think the movie could have been a little stronger maybe is with that character, but you know, you have a big ensemble like this. I think it's uh, in a 90 minute film. It's pretty hard. Yeah. yeah somebody's going to get the short shrift and, you know, they set up, I think enough, like I was saying in the beginning, they set up, I think enough of, for, for her character for you to, it to make sense in the movie, like, which is basically that she's being very flirty towards like both. Uh, everyone. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone, but like particularly, yeah. I think Sophie and B at various times in the movies, Definitely. in the movie. So I think that's most of what you need to, you know, get for that character. And, you know, the stuff that comes out at the end about her family a little bit. But. Yeah. I kind of feel similarly to what you're talking about, maybe even to more extent with Emma, because, she feels i mean she is the i guess she's the second well no i mean lee pace's character is the second one to die but she's like the first of the of the of the women in the film to die mm-hmm. so she does end up just having less time for that reason but i feel like she's also set up in this way as like you have every i mean it seems like everyone just keeps yelling that like she's trying to make everything about herself or like that's like that's her flaw her like flaw or whatever it seems like in the group she's like trying to make things about herself but She's like genuine, like she's the one in the well, group getting like openly, brutally treated. I'm I'm pretty sure everyone gets yeah, accused yeah, yeah, of that yeah. at some point in the yeah, movie. That might be so. true. That might be yeah. true. Yeah. But you know, Emma is the one who's being like verbal like of the women again, being verbally abused by her boyfriend and mistreated. And there is this like sort of like barb at, you know, almost, you know, right like a few minutes before she ends up dying in the film about how you know, she like she brings it on herself because she doesn't get herself out of this relationship. That's where she's being mistreated. I found that to be like an interesting juxtaposition. Again, going back to something I was talking about earlier with Sophie as a character where. Like, it, it kind of feels like these characters could say the same thing about Sophie and her drug and do at different points to an extent 
about with her drug problems like you just can't keep it under control like you're just not taking care like taking care of yourself you're like making us take care of you taking you to rehab etc but i do find it interesting that emma in maybe a different setting like rather than with substance use it's with her relationship with you know with interpersonal connection i think that there's there's something there but was a little i don't know if i was disappointed but it was uh, a bit of a bummer to see that sort of like the relationship thread there and, and in what seemed like more nuanced or more interesting of a conversation that's very real for, I think, people, um, you know, in their early, mid-20s, whatever the age these people are supposed to be about relationships in that way, that's, like, much more interesting and, and maybe richly richly textured than something that's a little bit, like, almost, like, like more gossipy of, like, what's going on with the triangle of B and Sophie and Jordan. Um, but to, to sort of see this sort of commentary on, like, you know, abusive relationships being sort of, given short shrift with this. Yeah, well, I think that, but I do think that comes back to the central sort of juxtaposition in the movie that, oh, these characters, you know, they know the words to use, right? They know like how to present as being woke and, you know, use these, you know, talk about, oh, I care so much about mental health and, oh, you're being ableist and all this stuff right now. But yeah. when they're actually faced with serious stuff that is going on, like, you know, a potential abusive relationship, like, you know, Sophie's substance use problems, they sort of shrug, almost. act the, the worst possible way, honestly. Like, they handle that situation so poorly. Yeah, um, totally. But they would love to tell you how well they handle it, you know, if when they when they get a chance it's yeah just, they're it's al they're whole, allies scott they're allies it's how they yeah it's how they yeah. present versus how they are that's really like the if you want to look at it from a fifty thousand foot view um but obviously you know getting more specific it's it's talking about sort of in the social media gen z era the yeah. way that we communicate know, the language that communicate we use, the way we yeah. the way we pre present ourselves in social media is not consistent with the way that people actually act and yeah you know, um, these terms are getting overused actions versus uh thoughts and words and whatnot yeah we've talked all about the characters and i think we get a lot of the the themes just by having the conversations we've had about the characters just now so the last thing is just the actual like the structure of the film i mean ultimately this film we haven't really said it explicitly yet it's sort of just been implied i think through all the conversations we've had but this film is about you know this you know this killer that's like hunting everyone in this house but that killer doesn't exist um the the big i sort of like high level twist of the film is that really these people are killing themselves killing each other um there is no sort of stalker out there um on the grounds of the house chasing them around killing them one by picking them off one by one uh did you think that you know forget the meta narrative stuff just like as a movie do you think that is a a twist that worked well for you i don't know if it i think it was it was one that becomes obvious if not you know um you become suspicious of that being the case, you know, maybe two thirds, halfway, two thirds of the way through the, through the movie. Do you think that it's still delivered um, even though it's not, you know, the biggest surprise necessarily by the end? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, because, because there's still a threat of people getting killed right up until the very end up at, you know, we, we get down to the, the two of them left. To Sophie yeah. And you and wonder if left, one right? of them's going to kill the other. Yeah. Exactly. So, that's really what the movie is trying to, I mean, you know, the movie is just trying to build tension the whole time. And so even if the whodunit, you know, even if you figure it out or whatever, it doesn't turn out to be quite what you were expecting. Um, I think ultimately the movie's still successful because you are still on edge there at the end. And you don't know if any of them are going to make it to the end. 
because, especially because it seems like, you know, it's starting to reveal itself that they've been killing each other. And so why wouldn't they do it one more time? Uh, because there's, there's, you know, there's by the end, there's a lot of tension between the two of them and, you know, it crescendos with yeah, her pointing the gun at, at Sophie and saying, I need to check your texts, um, which she never gets to do. But then we get the big reveal, which, you know, brings it all together. So I thought it worked. Yeah, I thought it worked really well. I, I, I was, Scott, I'm not going to lie. I was like kind of worried this movie was going to pivot at the end. And, and there actually was going to end up being like somebody killing them. And I was going to be really disappointed if that happened because I thought it was way... In terms of the themes, we're talking about the commentary. I think there's like obviously way more interesting going on with yeah. with this. I mean, some of these people who are dying, like you know that they've killed each other, right? Like you know that you know Jordan killed Alice. You know that B there's, kills kills. Yeah, there's Greg. really only like two that you are are curious about. Which it's is Emma, Emma, and, and David, and David. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's but there is still so much. You know, like you said, the two of them left. There's so much tension, right? Because you know, B, uh, you know, runs away from, excuse me, B runs away from Sophie. And then like, she's wandering around the house and I'm like, is this where like the killer pops out and murders her? Yeah. Um, but no, this Max, they, you know, there's the mysterious Max, right? Yeah. They keep talking about that. You know, it's heavily implied. He does that. He is the guy who shows up at the end. But um, even though I don't think they ever say his name or anything, Def but that's I mean, another but definitely is him at the end. Yeah. That's yeah. another factor. Um, in all this is, oh, could it, could there be this other mysterious person who's in the house somewhere? Yeah. Um, think it works well. The, the runtime on this is good. Last thing, I guess, before we do wrap up disaster piece, thumbs up. Yeah. It's, I feel like it was pretty, uh, sparingly. I do, that is, I do wish that it had been used more almost. But I, you know, I thought, I thought they, you know, he picked good moments and, uh, you know, moving outside the score the soundtrack also you know it works sure. like that there's a big dance party scene early to 212 the azalea banks song um and then you know i mentioned charlie xcx obviously being in there like it's it's perfect for the vibe um that that is one thing where like you know obviously it's an overused phrase of like a24 vibes or whatever but i thought like, we were going to make it through the episode without you saying it but here we are yeah what when you get through when you get through the intro just like of them talking and then you hear like the rap music coming in and we get the credits or everything like that is like the most a24 part of the whole movie honestly so yeah yeah that's and very reminiscent of zola as well i mean yeah. that's that's 100 percent the movie i was thinking of the most during watching this even though plot wise they're not similar but thematically maybe they are because they're both commenting on social media that's true all right scott anything else you want to say before we wrap things up no you know i was looking forward to the movie and i think it mostly delivered it's a fun time all right favorite scene or moment um i guess maybe yeah that's a good question this is one of those where I haven't had the time to think true. about you it. Haven't, you haven't uh, digested just this yet. came out of the theater. But, I mean, I really like the reveal, obviously, of of uh, what happened to Pete Davidson's character. Um, oh, yeah. I guess I'll go with that. Maybe I'll think of something else here in a second. But, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's for me. I think I mentioned it earlier as, like, that is sort of the highlight of the film when it sort of pays off at the end because it, my experience was – being pretty suspicious of the twist by the time it gets around to that time in the movie, 
and then still getting a, a bit of kind of a like a twist, a re- the reward of the twist still delivered because they sort of uh, re- reveal how how David had had offed himself um, accidentally at the sort of at the beginning of the movie. So very rewarding there. Did you did you like the little uh, they're not Chekhov guns, but uh, the little the little like the window, <laughs> the window part at the beginning that like leaving the mirror on. Uh, I feel like there's like so many little like little little crumbs. They red left. herrings almost. Yeah. Well, they weren't. I mean, they weren't red herrings because they were used later. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, they weren't yeah, fake outs. Okay. Um, but I was just noticing those early on, and I was like, it's just it's just like so blatant. Like, oh, the window won't go up. Like talking about like, oh, this stupid window won't work, and I'm like, oh man. So here's one thing I actually think I missed. Maybe what okay. happened to the car? It's still there. Nothing happened to it. But they're not able to get out while they're in the house like they mention at some point like we don't have a car yeah yeah because the because oh, okay so yeah so she she left the she left the light on inside the car when she went back to get her stuff and she checked herself in the in the mirror and so the battery died. the battery died so okay. the cat i guess the i just missed start. the line where they said that or something okay. oh well when they go to the car they try to start it and it won't start i guess i just missed that or something too i don't know but anyway i was i was just curious about that because they do mention it a couple of times. All right. Uh, out of 10, what are you giving bodies, bodies, bodies? Uh, 8.3. It's uh, it's really well executed. Um, a fun time again. Not my favorite A24 horror movie of the year even. But, um, you know, they're just they're just op- producing at such a high level when it, just in general. Uh, in, you know, in general with movies that uh, I think this is, I've come to expect something in the eight and up range if we're talking score-wise. And this movie definitely fit the bill. Yeah, agreed. I mean, look, you still have one more, at least one more A24 horror movie to come this year with Pearl. Um, yep. is, that, is that next month? When is that? It's September 16th, yep. The X prequel, of course. The X prequel. Yeah, do you think that they're going to reveal that they've shot a third film at the end of the I hope movie? so. <laughs> that'd, I'm be, down. that'd be nuts absolutely nuts if something like that happens but yeah um scott we won't mention men because you seem to have forgotten that that was an a24 horror movie earlier oh, this year God. yeah that's true um but you know now if you're and that is that is the one yeah well now i'm going back on my original statement that is the <laughs> one that feel that feels like the no i'm not going back on it because they yeah, are yeah, still yeah. again making an effort i mean but that's elevated horror scott that is the elevated absolutely horror genre. that is that is the definition of what you think of when people use the term elevated horror i mean yeah alec garland's definitely in the crosshairs of elevated horror um so we won't mention men uh, obviously that the conversation we had didn't didn't just happen but i also was a big fan of this film i think i don't know if this is if i like this one more than x or not this is a little bit more my vibe because of the comedy i think the additional comedy for me, but I'm giving this an 8.1 really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd recommend it. I mean, honestly, like it's not, there's a lot of tension, but this is not a very scary movie. I think um, at the end of the day. Yeah. So uh, similar to, I think describing Nope as a, as a sci-fi movie with horror elements. This is a comedy movie with horror elements. This is at the end, in my opinion, but take that for what it's worth. That will do it for our discussion of bodies, bodies, bodies. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking about some news related to Ethan Cohen's next film, as well as Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt's next movie with David Leach. We'll be right back.
Welcome back for part two of today's episode of Some Like It, Scott. As mentioned before the break, we have some recent news about Ethan Cohen's next film. It's going to be his first not directing with his brother. Scott, tell us about it. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, Ethan Cohen and Joel Cohen, the Cohen brothers, known for making quite a few films together. Academy Mr. Award and Mr. Winners. Cohen. Yes. Academy Award winners. Joel Cohen um, last year directed The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, solo effort for him. And now it appears his, his brother is uh, responding uh, with a film of his own, which is going to start shooting uh, pretty soon, it seems. Uh, and this movie is, uh, we don't really know that much about it. It's funny. The only thing we know is that this movie has been described as a lesbian road trip movie. Yeah. Um, right in Ethan's wheelhouse. That's it. Uh, that's the, that's the plot description. Um, but um, you know, certainly the the two actresses who have been cast um, definitely make me, you know, put my eye on this one. Margaret Qualley being one, obviously, um, you know, started on The Leftovers, but more recently has been in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and her Emmy-nominated role in Made, um, probably her biggest, you know, profile role to date. She was the lead in that show. Um and uh, I know she's got a couple other movies. I know we've talked about her being in something else um, at some point, but um, but she's going to star in this. And Geraldine Viswanathan as well is going to star alongside her. Um, I believe I first saw her in uh, in what was that movie called? Bad Education, the Hugh yeah. Jackman yeah. movie, um, where she played a student there. She was in that rom-com that came out during COVID that I still haven't watched, but that... I uh, know. I can I can see the, like, poster the for The Broken it, Hearts yeah. Gallery. Uh, that's yeah. the name of the movie. Um, and she was in Blockers as well. Uh, she played one of the the kids in Blockers. Uh, so, yeah, she's... You know, I've enjoyed her in... It might have just been the one thing I've seen, but I know that, you know, there's been good buzz for her uh, in pretty much everything that she's been in. Um, so it will be cool to see her playing alongside uh, Margaret Qualley in this movie. And yeah, you know, maybe this subject matter isn't what you would expect from Ethan Cohen, but I think that's cool uh, that, you know, somebody like Ethan Cohen, who could certainly at this point in his career and life rest on his laurels, is not only going out on his own and making a solo effort for the first time, but that he's focusing on the type of story and themes perhaps that you wouldn't expect from a cohen brother so be keeping my eye on this one yeah i'm curious who's writing this movie like if ethan cohen's writing this movie i'm deeply concerned about it i'm not gonna lie um if someone else is writing it maybe i just like i don't know if ethan cohen needs to be the dude who's uh who's telling the the lesbian road trip story not sure that quite needs to be him but um hey we'll figure it out i mean he's a good filmmaker i mean it seems like uh, blatantly obvious to say he's a good filmmaker. So it's exciting. Margaret Qualley is going to be in Poor Things, Yorgos Lanthimos' film later this yeah, year. Yeah, that's it. Um, she has not all the projects year. announced. but It's got moved to next year, right? Did it? I'm pretty sure that was one of the many films that has been bumped to next year. Okay, I'll, I believe you. There's been so many at this point, I can't, I can't keep track of them all. Yeah, so Margaret Qualley will be in that film when it comes out. Uh, not this year, next year. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to learn more. I'm maybe more skeptical than you, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be, I'm not calling it a classic yet, but um, it's got potential. All right, I will audio clip that out um, where you're saying 
calling it a classic and leave out the not part and we'll we'll air that later fake um, news <laughs> exactly uh, my piece of news for the week ryan gosling apparently already attached to this film but maybe maybe we talked about it and i'd forgotten it or i don't know what but ryan gosling um and emily blunt are set to star in david one of the many it feels like upcoming david leach projects it is a remake or film adaptation of the classic tv series the fall guy so I, i'm not really super familiar at all with with the show but uh, my understanding is that it's a bit of a action adventure comedy type thing and scott we you know i watched the nice guys for the first time earlier this week a classic um action comedy that ryan gosling stars in that you um insisted i watch and i caved immediately because i guess i had nothing better to do earlier this week and uh, i enjoyed it we we seem to enjoy ryan gosling and comedic roles you've been talking about he should just pivot more towards comedy um so what do you feel how do you feel about this you feel good yeah def i mean Yes, I've definitely said that about Ryan Gosling. I find him quite boring in a lot of dramatic roles. Um, but, you know, The Nice Guys and Crazy Stupid Love are two, like, phenomenal comedic performances, I think. And obviously, he's tapped. We know he's going to be in Barbie next year, which is certainly seems like it's going to be taking a primarily comedic tone. And uh, and now let's add this one to the list. Uh, so, it, I'm, you know, it's a, it's an exciting pivot, at least from my perspective for him, because I think it plays to what I feel are his strengths as a performer, which are more in the comedic realm. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Let's, let's, uh, let's give it a chance. Give it a ride, uh, Ryan. Yeah. How are you feeling about David Leach? Um, not particularly rosy after last week and after the last couple of years, really, uh, considering, um, right. Fast and furious, and fast and furious. Yeah. Ugh. And, uh, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw and, and of course, bullet train. Uh, particularly, you know, I was going to, you know, I guess I was going to say particularly his brand of comedy, but like, I don't think he's really writing these movies. So no, um, he's not results ready. may vary there. And Deadpool two, which he did direct. You, you hate. really like, I don't Deadpool hate, too. I don't hate. You it, gave Scott. it a 9.0. You don't hate it. <laughs> Scott, 2018 was a much different time. Um, yeah. A 9.0 was not. A 9 I nearly fell out of my chair when you rated now. it. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, obviously I don't feel that way now. Um, it's not a movie that I have really thought that much about. It's probably since we talked about it on the podcast, but uh, I regularly think about Brad Pitt's death in that movie. I'm not going to lie. It's a solid movie and it does have laughs. So, you know, there's some potential there, but yeah, I think, I think Gosling can, can elevate the material. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately you bring in David Leach for the, for the action elements of your film. And I yeah. think that if, if you feel like you have a stable base with someone like Gosling with a comedy and, um, you know, we haven't really talked about Emily Blunt here, which I actually think is the main the main point of the news, because like I said, I think Goslin had already been attached to the project. Um, I think that she has pretty, pretty dynamic chops when it comes to to these types of movies. Um, so I think you bring David Leach in to do the to do to really hone in on the more action elements of the film. I think it, it could be a good recipe. I'm not I'm not totally in the bag for it yet, but I'm optimistic about it. I'll say that much. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Again, I just I just want to see Ryan Gosling doing more of these kinds of projects. Yeah, I mean, we had four years away from Ryan Gosling, and he's back now, baby. Yeah. Also, I thought he was great in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So stand down on that. Stand down on the dramatic. I mean, I, I, that's a, that's definitely an exception. I didn't say yeah. all of them. I know. I know. Drive, First Man. Like, there's definitely issues there. I feel like he's bland sometimes. 
Yeah, yeah. There's whereas there's I think plenty of Blade about Runner that, yeah. plays to his strengths maybe a little bit as you know more emotionally. It's it's so funny because I feel like he's doing the same thing in both First Man and Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but they come off as completely different performances. First Man, yeah. I just I think that movie's probably actually very good. I just it's just not exactly what I wanted from it. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, it's 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 a it's a movie. Like it really is. Like yeah. the like the scenes where they're you know he's flying. I mean, yeah, and the, stuff. Like, that's the moon nuts. landing is still like probably one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Like I think it's absolutely unbelievable what they did in that movie with the moon landing. But then there's also yeah. the rest of the movie. Can't believe that they were the first ones to go to space and yeah, the movie out there. Suck on that. Tom Except Cruise. for Stanley Kubrick. Filming the yes. actual moon landing. Well, no, he wasn't on the moon though. He was just on a backlot studio. They were, actually, sorry. Ryan Gosling was the first person to go to the moon. Actually, so I'm, I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. Ryan Gosling is the first one on the moon. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> we got there in the end. All right, uh, I think that should just about do it for episode 201 of Some Like It Scott. Uh, anything else you want to want to leave us with? What are you What are you doing with your? Uh, we're about to take a week off. What are you gonna? How are you gonna spend your time? You gonna go to the movie theater every day and make up for lost time? Uh, no, I do have to work actually, so that's that's what I'll be doing. But no, I, I uh, I'll be going to uh, to a concert next Friday. I'll be seeing Sleigh Bells, so looking forward to that. Um, if you're in the audience of Sleigh Bells in Charlotte next Friday, or yeah, next Friday, hit him up. Come say hi. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, not not too much. I did. Uh, this isn't next weekend, but I did get uh, tickets today uh, in September. I'm going to be going just for a day to Pittsburgh uh, and I'm going to see Tennessee and Pittsburgh play uh, oh, at, okay. at Pitt at the Steeler stadium. They're playing second game of the season. So are you hanging out with a uh, friend of the pod, Danny? I am. We will be going to the game. So oh, yeah, uh, it should be a fun time. So I'm looking forward to that. Very interesting. Well, where can people find you on socials in the meantime? I am at Scarby Dent. And I can be found at shelton 2013 on Twitter, Letterbox Serialized. Don't forget to also check out our podcast Patreon at www.patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. If you can support us over there, we'd appreciate it. But if not, that's okay. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., where we'd love it if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, shared, all that jazz so we can continue to reach a broader audience. And we really appreciate all of you for taking time to listen to us chat about bodies, bodies, bodies. We're off next week, as I already mentioned. But we'll be back in two weeks' time with a review of George Miller's long gestating film, 3,000 Years of Longing. So that's two weeks until 3,000 Years of Longing. Congratulations on making it. Uh, Hope you'll join us for that. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time.